Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Anna Horford, and you're listening to the Celtics Life Podcast. Welcome inside the second Celtics Life Pick Swap Crossover Podcast. We're linking up to cover the NBA's Global Games matchup in London this Thursday, January 11th, between the Boston Celtics and Philadelphia 76ers. I'm Justin Quinn here with Josh Liddick. How's it going? Doing well, Justin. How are you doing today? Well, I could definitely use a little bit more coffee. It's a little bit early when we're recording this. I'm not quite awake yet, but I'm managing. That's good. Yeah, I, I'm about the same. I, it took a little... Uh, it was a little hard for me to roll out of bed this morning, for sure. Well, we've got a lot of stuff to cover, so let's dive right in. We've got some Rookie of the Month's candidates vying against each other on each of our respective teams that we cover. Uh, ben Simmons for you and Jason Tatum for us. Jason was Rookie of the Month this month. Simmons was last month. What are your thoughts on where they stand respectively in the Rookie of the Year race? What do you, what do you think the order is right now? Uh, yeah, I mean, there are, there's a bunch of rookies that are doing well for their teams. Uh, but you know, with Jason Tatum has been, you know, exceeding a lot of people's expectations with the injury to Gordon Hayward. And the last time we were on this, uh, podcast, you're talking about Jason Tatum and what he's already done for the team. And he's done great. Um, you know, he's, he's really put up a lot of great numbers and has been a key part of that team and in your team, the Celtics and their success this season. You know, Ben Simmons has been unbelievable at the beginning of the year. He was really good. And then he kind of had that layoff where he kind of was uh, he was having a hard time with his confidence. Uh, he wasn't really taking that many shots. Uh, but now he has uh, in his last four games, he's really up the ante and he's really played um, at the level that he should have been playing all season long. Um, I think the rookie of the year race is close, um, but I, I think Jason Tatum um, just because of how he's been playing as of late, uh, still might might have just a small edge over Simmons. Uh, but I think Simmons and Tatum to combined, I think it's uh, is going to be a pretty good battle. But you know, there's other rookies out there that are still playing well. Donovan Mitchell's been having an amazing season for Utah. Um, Laurie Markkinen's been playing well for Chicago, and Chicago was on that little hot streak as as well after a an, a terrible start to the season. Um, but there are some rookies that are still going to compete with Simmons and Tatum. But I do think when it comes down to the end of the season, I think you're going to take a look at Celtics success, what Tatum has meant to that team. Um, you know, kind of in the same way that Brogdon won, uh, rookie of the year last year, you know, he, he, he contributed to a team that made the playoffs. You know, I think it might come down to who makes the playoffs. I think the Sixers will probably end up making the playoffs in the end and we'll see if Simmons can keep up the aggression and intensity that he's been doing but I think it's gonna be close between Simmons and Tatum when it comes down to the end I agree I actually think that really like if it ended right now 
depending on how you looked at it, if you looked at recency, mm-hmm. like recency bias, and that was your primary determining factor, like how they've been recently, I think Tatum has a slight edge. I do think that Simmons has put together a better season overall, all the way through. Please don't kill me, Celtics fans. But I do think that he has a very good chance at, at taking it from, from Tatum or, you know, we could have somebody like Donovan uh, Mitchell surge later in the season. Depending depending on how the 76ers do, I, I do think that there's a very good chance that some postseason success would go a long way. I, I, I think it's interesting that you bring up Laurie Markkinen, another guy who was very high up in the conversation at the start of the season. Lonzo Ball has completely fallen out of the conversation mm-hmm. for the most part, particularly recently. And Kyle Kuzma on his mm. team has actually kind of surged forward increasingly. That's right. Well, any thoughts on him or either of those guys? Yeah, I actually completely forgot about Kyle Kuzma. It must be uh, how early it is in the morning right now. Um, but uh, yeah, no, Kyle Kuzma has been amazing. Um, and it actually is very, it's kind of weird because like, you know, that's a, he's like, I said it a couple of weeks ago on Twitter, uh, but I said that, you know, Kyle Kuzma's really has been the steal of the draft. Um, he got drafted so low, but, you know, um, you know, the Lakers took a chance on him and he's really been, he's actually contributed to that team. You know, the Lakers have been, you know, they are on pace to be one of the worst teams in the league this year. Um, but, you know, Kuzma has been a bright spot for them. And Lonzo Ball, for being the second overall pick and all the hype that was around him and his father and the, the, the Ball family, um, you know, he's, he's injured now, but even before the injury, he, um, he had a few moments of him being, you know, kind of impressive in certain circumstances, uh, with his assists making his, uh, playmaking, uh, sometimes he would get op- open and, and drive down and get the dunk. Uh, but other than that, he just really hasn't done, you know, put together a, like an impressive run uh, for me to even consider him to be one of the uh, league's best rookies this uh, season. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like he is basically a poor man's Ben Simmons, to be honest. And he, he, he's got, he's got the, the knack for rebounding. That's kind of surprising for a point guard and the mm-hmm. really great court vision, not quite as good in my opinion, but still pretty impressive. And the shooting just isn't there you know the shot that people were concerned yeah. about it's really been a problem for him and maybe even a bit more than people expected so i i could see him jumping back into the conversation but i feel like he's kind of lost enough ground at this point where we can probably pretty safely eliminate him yeah i think it's pretty safe at this point that he's not going to be um in that final rookie of the year race uh i was still early of course um but i think you know at the end of the day you look at what balls has done and he hasn't really done a whole lot um, but I think going into the year, you said that you made that comparison to Ben Simmons. Uh, and I think, you know, it's, it is fair to say that Ball and Simmons have a lot of similarities in terms of, you know, they are both ball handler, elite ball handlers, have a great vision uh, on the court, but they also struggle shooting the ball. So, but I think Simmons definitely has been more impressive and uh, a definitely not a poor man's version. Yeah. You guys have been dealing with some. Other changes since the last time that we spoke. Yeah. How about that? A high-profile malcontent is no longer with you. Mm-hmm. I'm how referring about to Jaleel Okafor. Yeah. For those of you who aren't aware, Okafor and Nick Stauskas were sent to the Brooklyn Nets. And in exchange, you guys received, why can't I remember his first name, Devin Booker's brother, Trevor Booker. Yeah, actually, they're not. I don't think they're, uh, they're not actually related. 
at all. They're not. I thought they were. I thought they were. Yeah. I thought they were. Brothers. I looked it up, uh, and I think I think maybe they're cousins. Why did I think that? Um, but I, because For some reason I had that in my mind. I think Trevor Booker has has a brother named Devin, but it's not it's uh, not Devin it's Booker from Devin. the Suns. Yeah, because I, I I saw that and I was like, wait a minute, and then I was I looked up Devin Booker and I was like, that's not Devin Booker. So yeah, <laughs> oh, that's I was funny. like, yeah, he's too he's too dark to be te- to be Devin Booker. So, um, but yeah, nope, not Devin Booker, not no no relation. I don't think. Oh no, he's twenty six. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, different Devin Booker. Well, anyway, now that we've done a little bit of uh, NBA trivia, yeah, a little, little <laughs> trivia. If you're ever if you're ever looking for some trivia for trivia night at the bar, you, there there you go. You you have the answer. We just provided uh, a very significant uh, answer. We, we don't want we don't want to make people exactly. We 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 definitely expect uh, somebody to buy us some beer for sure. Something something like that. Something. Trevor Booker, how's he working out for you? Uh, Trevor Booker's been interesting. Um, Jesse Larch of Sports Talk Philly wrote in an article uh, the other day about the success that Trevor Booker has uh, maybe not had that much. Uh, he's provided this kind of confidence off the bench and aggression and hustle that a lot of the players exemplify on the Sixers, but um, you know now that now the Sixers have been kind of winning more, but before uh, I think like two games ago, the Sixers were like two and nine since the Okafor trade. So it almost made you think that, you know, maybe Jaleel Okafor trading him to the Nets and trading Nick Stauskas to the Nets, even though both of those guys barely played the season for the Sixers, it kind of made it sound kind of made it feel like oh, maybe it was a bad idea. Maybe it was maybe this is uh uh, Okafor and Stauskas is telling us that we shouldn't have traded them to the Nets because uh, we're losing so much for Trevor Booker. But I, I like Trevor Booker. I, I, you know, he said going into um, his start with Philadelphia that he uh, was a kind of a TJ McConnell, um, but in a different kind of body. Like he's just a bigger guy. Um, and he's the uh, the he's. I think he said he's like the black version of TJ McConnell. Um, but he said that, That's you know, weird. yeah, because they both have that kind of hustle, um, and that mentality that they're going to put the team first and do whatever it takes for the team's success. I don't think the Sixers brought Trevor Booker in as, uh, for his on the court, um, thing as like, his, like his presence on the court, as much as it, they brought him in off the court because they didn't really need that position. They could have got a, a guard or something like that. Um, they have a, I mean, they have a, an influx of big men with Amir Johnson or Sean Holmes. Uh, they didn't really need a Trevor Booker, uh, but you know, Booker brings that off court kind of leadership, veteran leadership that, um, they may have needed in that time to kind of get them over the hump. And, um, he's definitely not contributed as much, but I, I do think that, um, you know the Sixers' success recently uh, can be attributed to anything going on off the court or whatever is going on with Trevor Booker and his leadership and, and leading the team. When I saw Okafor playing for Brooklyn, I was very very happy. We didn't take you up on that 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 uh, trade suggestion we were mm-hmm. talking about last time. He was really he was like a he was negative twenty something per for a while. And he's finally he he's 
played his way, I think, back into game shape a little bit, and he put up a decent stat line last night. He got like twelve rebounds and twelve, or supposed to be twelve points in twelve minutes and like five rebounds. Yeah, something like that. wasn't too too bad. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't bad. Yeah, actually, I think Kenny Atkinson, the head coach of Brooklyn, was kind of uh, he hadn't played Okafor in a couple weeks. I mean, he brought him in and then he said that he needed to get into game shape and he needed to learn the system and kind of accl- uh, acclimate himself with his teammates. Um, and I think that once he does that, he's going to play a lot more. And we saw that last night. I think last night was the most time he's played on with the Nets this season in any game. Um, so, or, or really, even with the Sixers, he didn't play either. So I think last night was the was the most he's played all season long. Um, and Okafor looked, I was watching the game. His plus minus wasn't very good. I think uh, at the time I was watching, I think he was like minus four. Um, but he looked good. He looked active on defense. He looked good on offense um, in, in spots. He had a dunk, which is pretty cool. They got him open. Um, and that's something we haven't seen in a while. I think Okafor is going to be a good uh, piece for the Nets. And also, Nick Stauskas has been really good for Brooklyn as well. I know. I'm um, surprised. He had like a really good first game with him, didn't he? Like 24 points or something like that? Yeah, he had like, I think he had like 15 maybe in the first game. And then I think a couple of games later, he had like 23. And um, he was, you know, he's shooting threes. And I was like, oh, man, man, Nick Stauskas looks like the Nick Stauskas from, uh, you know, the process years a couple of years ago where he uh, was really a big contributor for them. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it's a great start for them to go over to Brooklyn. We were talking before the we got on the pod about, um, you know, Brooklyn and how good they've been this season, um, surprisingly. surprisingly. Yeah. For a team that, you know, has been one of the worst teams in the league for the last couple seasons, um, they are actually playing pretty well. Down two of their best players, too. Yeah, exactly. Down two of their best players. No D'Angelo Russell um, and uh, the other guy that you said. Uh, who was Jeremy that? Jeremy Lin. Jeremy Lin, yes. Jeremy Lin. No Jeremy Lin. He's out for the for the year. So, He's been out for the um, long. It's hard to remember him. Yeah, exactly. Seriously. It was me who forgot his name when we were talking earlier. He's played on almost uh, the same amount of teams that I have fingers. So um, he's played on a lot of teams in his career. So uh, he's kind of one of those those journeymen that goes from team to team to team. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I, I think the Okafor, at the end of the day, I think the Okafor trade uh, is good for Okafor and Stavskis. And I think that overall, um, Trevor Booker is good for the Sixers. I just don't think that it really affects their success in game situations like that much because they already have a lot of the big men and they don't really they didn't really need him but i think that the leadership is definitely what sticks out you guys are also reportedly looking at getting back a one markel fultz pretty soon you heard any uh, any more details on that is he going to be around for the London game possibly I haven't really heard any like big details about Fultz recently other than last week uh the the videos that have come out uh Kyle Newbeck of the Philly Voice put out a couple of videos and Rich Hoffman of uh the Athletic put out a few uh videos as well of kind of Markel Fultz and his uh shooting during practice and his shot progression which you know, he's still getting back. He doesn't have that same release that he did when he was in Washington. That's noticeable, but he is starting to get better. Uh, his free throws look normal, which is crazy because, I mean, you saw the free throws at the beginning yeah. of the year. They were 
they were not good. They were not good at all. Um, and, uh, you know, I think his shoulder is starting to really be not an issue. Um, you know, I think that I, I, I'm going to go on the record and just say that I don't know if it was, I think it was not just the injury. I think that there was that this mental thing as well. It's like getting back into shape, learning to get, you know, your shot back after an injury because, I mean, the injury probably did affect his shoulder in the way he shot the ball before. But, you know, I, I think that it's not the whole issue, but I, I do think that he's starting to get back into that shape and he's entered that final rehab stage. The only issue I have about this whole thing, and it's a big one, it's a big issue, is that, you know, he's entered this final rehab stage but we don't know when his return's going to be. Like the Sixers never say, "Oh yeah, he'll we're we're um, you know, planning on a, you know, I don't know, January 20th return or something like that." Or, you know, it maybe it won't be exactly January 20th or the next back or a game around there, but maybe it'll be the game after. Like they never say that. They just they just say he's entered the final stage of his ready to play program in quotes. Like I I don't even know what we don't even that's not even a thing for other teams. Like other teams just say, oh, yeah, you know, two weeks, he should be back. And then if he's not back, then maybe there was a setback, but he'll be back very soon to there. But like the Sixers never put like a pinpoint date on when their players are going to come back. And that's a problem for me. Like we want Markel Fultz to come back. But, you know, I who knows when he's going to come back. This final rehab stage might be another month, you know. Yeah, I feel like they're trying to manage expectations, and I understand that, but it does kind of come off as a little shady. And hear that coming from from the fan base itself, you know, it really confirms my suspicions that up they're up there with uh, the New Orleans Pelicans with non transparent medical practices. Yeah. Oh, the Sixers are notorious for their non transparent medical practices. Like it's. You know, last with the Embiid stuff from last year, you know, is he going to come back? Is he not going to come back? You know, uh, the Simmons injury with the foot last year, it was like, you know, by January, we we had pretty much said that Joel Embiid and, and Ben Simmons, they were going to play together again. The Sixers were only a couple of games out of the eighth seed at that point when they were on that little streak that they went on last January. And then Simmons never came back. And then Embiid was out for the year. Um, and it was like, that was it. Um and now with the Fultz thing, it's like, you know, for any other player, like a shoulder, like soreness injury shouldn't take three months to come back from. Like, it, I, I think that's just a, a blatant sign that this is more of a mental thing with his, like his mental problem with his shot than a an injury. You know what I mean? So it's definitely I, I think that that. Yeah, it's it's a very weird scenario, but I think Fultz will. He looks like he's on the verge of coming back very soon. Um, and I mean, just the way he's been talking about coming back, um, I think that the Sixers are going to try to ease him in. Uh, they're taking as much time as they possibly can because they don't really right now. They're kind of dwindling between five hundred and not five hundred. Um, but I think by the time Fultz comes back. Um, they should be, you know, I think he's going to really be a big contribution for them because I think he's going to um, kind of provide another option to shoot the ball um, if, you know, we see the faults that we've been wanting to see all season long. You've got another guy, you, you mentioned him, uh, Joel Embiid is having back issues now. Yeah. 
What's going on with that? Uh, the back actually hasn't been that bad recently. Um, he had, I think he had four games he missed um, because of the back um, injury, uh, which all stemmed from the Oklahoma City game against the Thunder on ESPN a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think he had the back problem going into that game and then he played, he was questionable and then he played um, and then he ended up playing 49 minutes that game, which, which I mean, questionable. Um, you know, I think he definitely contributed very well. I mean, they probably, you know, they almost won that game, but you know, for Embiid who, by the way, going into this season was all, was supposed to be on a minutes restriction. And, you know, he's they were like, oh, he's only going to play 16 minutes on opening night. And then he ended up playing like 29 minutes. Um, and then he played a career high 49 minutes for a guy that has not played that much basketball. Um, and then that affected him because no, he was nobody out. Nobody should play that much. Oh, yeah. Nobody should play 49 minutes. I mean, particularly not someone like him. Yeah. Like Ben Simmons played, I think, 51 minutes in that game. Um but Simmons, like, he's looked good. Like, he hasn't been, like, with his foot and everything. Like, that hasn't been an issue. He's played a lot of minutes this season, and he's looked good, and he hasn't gotten really hurt that much. Um, but, uh, and then I think Westbrook played 40, uh, 52. But, you know, Embiid then missed four games, um, and they lost those games. Um, and then he came back. Okay, so that was the streak. Okay, I was going to ask you about that. They, you guys, You guys had that. Is it a five game losing streak? Um, yeah. Let me let me bring up this. I was gonna bring up the schedule. Um, yeah, go ahead. But yeah, uh, let me let me just while you do that, let me just point out both of our teams have been dealing with a brutal December and really the first half of the season in general, mm-hmm. but particularly December because of this London game. We both have you know most of a week before and after basically another all-star breaks worth of games off yeah compared to the rest of the league compressing all of our stuff together and i was going to ask you about the the losing streak that you guys had because we had you know after our our 16 game winning streak we had several mini losing streaks i mean there was only like you know two games and a game then two games and a game we were really banged up and we still kind of are you know we're, we're mostly emerging from it with with morris and jalen brown you know nursing knee issues i think shane larkin was also mm-hmm. we, had, we had a lot of guys dealing with like repetitive stress injuries like inflammation irritation stuff like that so i'm i'm, I'm starting to get the feeling that it wasn't necessarily just in me playing all these minutes but also maybe the amount of games you guys might have been playing yeah, I mean, they played a lot of games uh, in the month of December. Um, they lost nine of ten, um, and they went on a, a five-game losing streak um, during that, so I just found that out. But a lot of those games that they lost, they only lost by a couple points. There was a um, uh, was a 14-point loss to the Suns, which, uh, which started it all, with Devin Booker putting up, I think, 46 um, they lost by three to the Lakers. I was at that game. It was a heartbreaker. Brandon Ingram hit a pretty much a buzzer beater to win it. Um, they lost in Cleveland uh, by seven. They lost to the Pelicans, in, uh, which Embiid did not play in that game. Uh, he didn't play in the Cavs game either. He, he was supposed to play in the Pelicans game, and then they said that he wasn't playing. Um, and that was kind of disappointment going up against Boogie Cousins. Uh, then they beat Minnesota by six. Uh, in Minnesota, but then after that was kind of was the Thunder, uh, the overtime loss, and then you lost Embiid, and they then they lost a bunch of games, and then they kind of now that they're on this four out of five 
um, or five out of six uh, winning kind of spree that they've been going on. Uh, it all started with Christmas. They won on Christmas Day. So, um, you know, I think that the, the Sixers have actually had one of the tough, like I think they're the second toughest schedule in the NBA this season. Um, and I mean, now that a lot of those games, they played the, the Cavs twice already. They played the, the, the Warriors twice in that spree. Um, you know, I, I, I think, they are at 500 with that record too. Yeah. They're 19 and 19 and they've played one of the toughest schedules in the league. They played a lot of tough teams in that stretch. Uh, but, uh, and you know, as they haven't, I don't think they've played Brooklyn yet this year. So there's been, there's still a lot of like, not so great teams, uh, that, they still have to play for the rest of the season. Uh, and those are the games that they're going to have to win because they ended up finishing 500 and one right as of right now after a really tough schedule. So, you know, it's been, it's been, you know, injury plagued for sure with Embiid out. And I, when they, when Embiid's out of the game, they're just not as good. I, I think that's, you know, that is obvious. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, when Embiid plays, they definitely play a lot better. But when the whole team collectively is um, healthy, they play very well. So, um, you know, it's been a rough start to the season. But, uh, you know, I am i can't say, you know, 19 and 19 at this point going into January. Um, you know, that's pretty good. I mean, compared to last year, that's pretty good. So. Oh, indeed. And considering the lineup that you guys have been playing against, uh, it's a pretty, it's been kind of a murderer's row. Right. If the season ended today, you guys would actually make the playoffs. You, you, you still feel pretty strong that you're going to make them considering that it's going to be a little bit easier of a, a schedule going forward. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think that they'll end up making it. Um, actually right now, as it stands, they're right on the outside. I think they're a game, a half game out of eighth, which the Pacers currently have. Um, but I, I do think they're going to end up making it the, the Eastern conference. I mean, quite frankly, it's just, it's weak. I mean, there's, there's, there's a few good teams. Um, I mean, the Celtics are obviously very good right now. They're first and by a three game margin over the Raptors who the Raptors took off. I mean, they were, uh, they had a slow start to the year and then they completely turned it on. Um, you know, the Cavs have been getting better. Uh, and now they have, you know, Isaiah Thomas kind of getting back into the game and, um, did he look good or what, Justin, in the first game? Oh, he looked he looked really, really like to the point where it made me really reassess my <laughs> my vision of how the uh, trade, the postseason yeah. is going to go. Well, that too, yeah. No, he has been, you know, he hasn't played much. I think uh, the only thing I can think of that I've seen him was the seventeen point performance mm-hmm. against Portland. Which really, you know, I mean, it's one game, so I'm going to be a little more cautious with how I look at his overall, mm-hmm. you know, impact going forward. It's, you know, there's a lot of time that was one game, you know, inflammation could come back, particularly once you get banged around. So I, I should not get ahead of myself and, and say that, you know, now that the Cavs are going to be favorites, you know, to, to make the Eastern Conference Finals, but... It's definitely making me feel like what I thought we'd be able to handle Cleveland pretty pretty safely as constructed with with Isaiah Thomas coming back. I'm a lot less certain. What are your thoughts on on uh, based on the very limited sample size? Like just assuming he plays the way he was playing in the Portland game. Um, I I thought he looked great. I think he uh, 
there were a lot of question marks going into that game about kind of the speed that he'd be playing at because his game is completely based around <clears throat> the speed and precision of um, getting in the open lane and, and driving for his size. I mean, he, he has to do that. <clears throat> getting the layup, getting the, uh, the open shot with LeBron and him. I mean, that's just an, a deadly combination because you're going to get LeBron who's going to go down the, the lane, kick it out to Thomas at the wing, vice versa, because I saw in that game, Thomas had a few assists where he gave the ball to LeBron. LeBron, you know, sh- uh, shoved it down for the, for the dunk or for the layup or I uh, got to the line. I, I think that it's going to be a really good combination. Uh, and he looked, he looks like the old Isaiah Thomas in the first game, which is fascinating for the injury that of his severity. I mean, that was a, the the hip injury. People said that he would never be the same. He would never play the same. And he completely shut him up because in that game, he looked like the same. He just looked good. So, um, but and he's only going to get better as they get the minutes kind of uh, inflated a little bit. So we had a controversy that you may have picked up on involving IT. Mm-hmm. He is, he, well, first of all, when he came back to Boston set up after that Portland game, he requested very respectfully, we have this from Danny Ainge, who has absolutely no incentive to cover for somebody who was dragging him through the mud for a couple of months. Um, he basically requested that if they do a tribute video, not assuming they're going to, but if they did, that he would like it to be on a night where he was actually playing, which is looking like it's going to be February 11th. It might not be. You never know anything can happen. But that night happens to be the night they're going to put Paul Pierce's um, jersey up into the banners. Mm -hmm. Paul Pierce at first seemed to be okay with it. Now he seems like he doesn't want to share his night with it. Where does your opinion fall on this situation as an outsider? Yeah, I mean, as an outsider, I mean, I saw this, um, and at first I was kind of like, I mean, why is he making this kind of request? Um, you know, I, I think that it's one of those things where if if I was Paul Pierce, I would I would almost say, you know, I I think that is a very important night for him. Um, but I think if he's if he's a humble guy, like I would I would not even say anything about it. I would just kind of, you know, go along with the ceremony because it's an honor in itself to be honored by the Celtics because, you know, there are some elite names up in that rafters uh, of some of the greatest players to play this game, um, not just for the Celtics, but like in the NBA to be put into that rap. They're probably, I would say the Celtics banners are of, of the play of like the players that are retired with their numbers are among probably the most, um, significant in all of professional sports <clears throat> when you when you kind of take into account um you know with the yankees and that kind of they retire everybody's number right up, but there, yeah. right up there um and i think at the end of the day i would almost say that you know I, I think it was one of those things where i may have wanted to keep my thoughts to myself on that one and not really say anything about it uh maybe he'd be disappointed about it on the like the inside um, but you kind of want to be humble. You want to, you, you don't want to take away from the night for you, but you also don't want to take the, away the night for Isaiah because it really made an impact on Boston. Um, and he, it's not like he left Boston, uh, voluntarily he was traded. So, um, you know, I think that they want to tribute Isaiah Thomas, but I think at the same time, 
you know, Paul Pierce getting honored is an honor, but you also need, I, I think that Paul should have went a different way with explain with kind of explaining his displeasure with it. I, I, I don't let, let the agent do the talking. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's a great point because I think the agent is who should be talking about it, not Paul Pierce, because then it kind of, you know, no, no offense against Paul. I mean, maybe a little bit, but I mean, it's not a good look for him now because people are like, you know, he's not humble. He's not, um, <clears throat> he's not thankful, you know, all this stuff. Like he should just like go, go with it. He shouldn't be, you know, sh- he shouldn't be voicing his displeasure over a fellow Celtic. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I've heard the, the opposite argument. People are coming. Mostly it's been Isaiah Thomas's agent, actually, who's been doing most of the talking in that regard for Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas has not publicly commented about the video itself other than he wants it to be when his family is there. Like in relation to Paul Pierce, he hasn't, to my, my knowledge, actually said anything. Just as agent, which is, I think, the way to go. I do think personally that Paul Pierce should have a say on what is going to happen on the night that his jersey is retired for only for the reason that Paul has been out of the league completely for some time now and on several different teams away before his night. You know, I mean, they had they, they had video tributes in the interim, but they're not going to retire Isaiah Thomas's number. So this is as close to an analog as there's going to be, I think. And for Isaiah Thomas to wait until the playoffs, or if that's unacceptable to people or him or whatever, another, another visit to Boston, I think that those would still work just as well and wouldn't be in any way disrespectful considering the fact that he already asked the date to be moved. And again, also with, with Paul, you know, everything that, that Isaiah Thomas has sacrificed for Boston. We can see a parallel of that in, in Paul Pierce's career to the point where it's kind of crazy that, you know, Isaiah Thomas played after a hip injury. Paul Pierce played a season after being nearly stabbed to death. Both of them knocked their, their teeth out on court and were playing, hardly missed any games at all for, for dealing with that, played through dental surgery, recovery. You could you can do some really crazy deep dives with, with this situation, but Overall, I think that just about everybody failed on the public public relations front in dealing with something that, as you pointed out, is between fellow Celtics. It really shouldn't even be this big soap opera drama. Oh, exactly. Uh, but I also think that it's, it's also an important night for Celtics fans. I mean, just it, that's a big game to go to. You get to see Paul Pierce's jersey retired, and you also get to see... You know, Isaiah Thomas play a full game against his old team. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of Isaiah Thomas jerseys in the crowd. There's going to be a lot of Paul Pierce jerseys in the crowd. It's going to be a a night for Celtics fans. I think that's kind of what they should, now that it's out, that, you know, Paul wasn't keen about it. um, You know, it almost makes you kind of think that they should kind of collaborate on the night and be, I, I know it's an important night for Paul, but, you know, it's also a special night for Isaiah too. Um, You know, I think that, that they should, take a look at it from the Celtic fan angle more so than, you know, kind of like, you know, this is a, this is a, this is a night for Boston. You know, Boston is special for both Pierce and Isaiah Thomas. So I I think that that's kind of, you know, now that, now that he's already made a big, there's already this big deal about it. You kind of should kind of shape it, not from a, Oh, this, this is my night. This isn't your night. Now it's, it should be, 
now that it's out, it should be, uh, this is both of our nights. You know, I would really like to see, and I know it's not going to happen, but it would be really cool if they could just work it out to everything before the game is Isaiah, everything after the game is Paul Pierce, and everything in the middle is us. Yeah, that's true. That's a good That's a good point. That's a really good point. Because they were going to do his, his jersey retirement after the game anyway. Oh, okay. So why not? You know, I mean, just do do it during warm-ups or something. Do it during player introductions, and then it's over. It's like, what, a minute, minute and a half, two minutes at most? Yeah, I mean, it's a video. It's it's a like it's not like the the Celtics fans are going to show up and then not give Isaiah Thomas a standing ovation when he's introduced onto the court. You know what I mean? Like like it's just a video. Like it's not like let me tell you like, something about Boston fans. <laughs> there will be a salty contingent booing him. Oh, I don't know why. I'm not I'm not crazy about that. You know, variety. So of, just you know, just just like the people that burned his jersey when he got traded, right? Yeah, like what? 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 What is that? I don't. I don't like. Okay, if you guys, if, if that is you and you're listening, please tell me. I want to understand. It sounds really stupid to me, and I think a lot of other people. But maybe there's a way I can understand it. I'm open to your explanations, so don't hate me. <laughs> I agree. I, I don't understand it either. Like if, <laughs> if um, especially it's not like for Gordon Hayward leaving Utah. Like I understand them b- burning his jersey. Because, like, to a, to a point, because he left. Totally. He left. I mean, it's dumb. Like, he voluntarily, like, he could have yeah. stayed in Utah if he wanted to. But he voluntarily left to go to Boston. Um, and then people were mad about that. But for Boston fans to to uh, burn Isaiah Thomas's jersey for being, it's not like he, he didn't leave voluntarily. Like, he wanted to stay, but he was traded. So, I, I, I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see the reason for the hate, but... Because he would have stayed if he wanted to. If he if he had a choice, he would have stayed, for sure. I would like to get your opinion, again, as an outside perspective, where Boston stands in terms of contention among the other top teams in terms of record in the league. Basically, Golden State, mm-hmm. Houston, San Antonio. Yeah, um, I I think their top record is is pretty. You know, certain right now they're they're the be- one of the best teams in the league right now. Uh, I did see a video. Uh, I, I forget who it was, but uh, I think it was just out maybe this morning or yesterday about the Celtics not being like like you shouldn't even be considering them to be in the title hunt, which is crazy to me for being thirty three and ten. Um, but you know, I think that when it comes down to it, I still think the Western conference is going to be the champion. Um, and I, I still, I still think the, the Warriors are going to, are still going to go to the finals and, and in a seven game series, I, I, I can still see them winning that. Uh, but I, I think the Cavs with Isaiah Thomas coming back and LeBron playing the way he's been playing MVP, like um, as of late, um, I, I think the Cavs are, are going to be up there too, but I think the Celtics have a very good chance of contention, especially since like, you know, Gordon Hayward might come back before the end of the season. Um, I, I think his rehab has been going well, um, where he's out of the boot and he's he's walking around and he's doing all that stuff. So who knows? Maybe Hayward will come back and he'll be a con- uh, he'll contribute to this team in a positive way that will put them over the top because you know that's the whole reason they got him in the first place. For me, I think I pretty much agree with you that as currently constructed, Boston sits right in the middle of that that pack of four other 
four other teams. I think it's really as constructed. Like we just beat Houston, and they're dealing with a little bit of a, a rough spot there. But they're also also really banged. Yeah, Harden's up. out too, and, so that's big for them. Yeah, and Chris Paul was was out for a while, and he's not entirely healthy either. He's still kind of playing his way back into game shape. So I would I would put us right behind the Warriors in Houston and ahead of the Spurs in Cleveland based on how the teams are right now. But you know, and this is really hard to project because you don't know how Harden and Chris Paul and you know we've been looking at like Curry and Durant and Green all missing time yeah. here and there for the Warriors, Kawhi and you know Cleveland. They all we all have injury issues in this group to deal with. But if as you pointed out, if you if you bring back Hayward and there's also the the um, disabled player exception that they have if they can get someone in between that they could go as high as second in my opinion by the end of the season depending how things shake out if they use all available options and everything goes as well as possible of course there's always the possibility of injury even among healthy players right it's a long way off yeah, I mean, it definitely is. I think Toronto right now, they're 27 and 10, and they've won eight of their last 10. But I think that they're kind of on this hot streak where I, I don't think that it's going to last. Um, I don't. I think the Raptors are a good team, but I don't think they're one of the best teams. Um, and the, the Wizards are starting to win now. They've won seven of their last 10, um, and they're starting to win a little bit more with John Wall coming back and getting healthier. Uh, I think they're going to start to make their way back into the top three like they were project, projected to be at the season's beginning. Um, and the Bucks have been playing well, too. I mean, there's been teams that are playing well, but when it comes down to the league's top teams, I think the Celtics are, are in there. I think the the Rockets, if they have a healthy team with Harden in there, I think they're a great team. But I think the Warriors, I mean, it's hard to argue against them, especially with now Steph Curry coming back, and he's been playing out of his mind. Uh, I think 45 point game, yeah. 45 points in three quarters, nonetheless. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, if he would have played that fourth quarter, he probably definitely would have probably been close to 60, I would say. Um, so, uh, you know, Curry's been playing great, but I think the Warriors are still the cream of the crop. But I think the Celtics are definitely going to be up there uh, seasons then. They're playing great. I mean, this is an incredible season for them. 33 and 10 as a Celtics fan. I mean, that's that's pretty awesome. So it's been it's been a wonderful surprise after that horrible, horrible start. You guys and the Celtics both made the same mistake pretty recently in not signing a particular free agent that is playing for one of those teams. Mm-hmm. Gerald Green is averaging almost 17 points a game and had 29 points off the bench. I think it might have been that game, actually. That was the game before that, I think. But yeah, he had a 29-point game versus the Warriors. Any any uh, non-buyer's remorse? I think that he's he's a bench threat. He's playing well for them, um, and uh, him he's a former Celtic, uh, um, and he he look he's looking good. I mean, Gerald Green's playing really well for them, um, and that's kind of a weird thing because he's always been that kind of player that you would sign for cheap, uh, bring in um, uh, as a bench guy, a uh, good teammate. But he's actually kind of turned his his uh, career around in a way that he's actually being an actual help to a team and not just one of the, the one of those other guys that you have on the lineup somewhere. You know what I mean? It's like, he's definitely uh, kind of 
I guess towards the end of his career, he's kind of realizing that, uh, you know, this is my time to shine. And, and when you're, and, uh, he's, he's playing well. So I'm, I'm, I'm liking the way that he's been playing. And, um, uh, maybe there is some buyer's remorse for the, the Celtics because you probably may have with their injuries that they've been dealing with. And that you, you said that exception that they have, that maybe they could have brought him in for cheap. And, uh, he's actually being a positive contribution for another team. He could have been, I mean, he was on, a, he's guaranteed now because of the strength of his performance, but he was on a non-guaranteed contract. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think he would have helped either of our teams. I think he would have been worth, you know, like in our case, we have an open roster spot. I don't know if you guys had an open roster spot, but I, I think it's pretty safe to say that, you know, 17 points a game, you know, I mean, granted, he's very streaky at times, but even still, I think either of our lower end of our rosters, had they been full, would have been potentially even worth chopping somebody off of it given how well he's been playing. Granted, there's no room to grow, but that's what you guys have James Young for. Yeah. Um, the two-way deal that he signed uh, was actually kind of interesting because they signed a... Uh, they they waived Jacob Pullen um, in order to make room for James Young. And I thought that by waiving Jacob Pullen, they were emptying a roster spot for them to bring Fultz back on. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously that's not the case. And they ended up signing... James Young to a two-way deal, but I, I don't think he's going to be that much of an impact like right now for the Sixers in terms of playing for them. I think he's going to play a lot more with the Sevens, with the 87ers in Delaware, um, because that's just the way that they do business uh, with their two-way players. I mean, James Ma- Michael McAdoo got into a game the other day for the Sixers and made a three, um, which was pretty crazy. Uh, but he's been playing a lot of two-way ball. Definitely been more of the two-way player like the other way and instead of playing for Philadelphia. Uh, and I think that James Young is going to be about the same, but I think that he might um, with the way that he, he played for, I think Wisconsin in the, in the G league this year, he's been averaging, I think, what was it a, over 23 points a game or something like that for them? Um, he might, he might be a significant guy that you might bring off the bench, but I, I right now it just doesn't seem like they're going to use him that much. Uh, because they have other guys to go to, but uh, with Jared Bayless coming off the bench, TJ McConnell. Uh, but who knows? Maybe uh, James Young will be a, a guy that they that they do that they do bring in to play a little minutes here and there. But I do think he's going to play primarily with Delaware in the G League. So you're saying he's not going to be a major star like Dr. J, for example? Yeah, no, no major star like uh, Dr. J. Well, I bring him up because he actually got sick somehow i didn't catch how did you catch what, what happened with him he's, he's okay yeah he's okay um we'll just start with that to make sure that people are you know just it's a just a disclaimer he is a good he's okay um he did feel it fell ill during the game uh against uh i think who the pistons um on on friday night uh after being honored for his layup that he had uh, in 1983 um, and they wore the the red jerseys in honor of him. Um, and they kind of he rang the bell, uh, the ceremonial liberty bell before the game. Um, fell ill, but I don't I didn't really catch how or or what happened. Uh, it might have been disclosed because I looked around and I couldn't find anything specific. Just that he was admitted to a hospital after a game. Yeah, I didn't see anything about it being uh, like disclosed or anything like that. I just saw that he went to a hospital, and then the next day he was released, uh, and he's expected to make a full recovery. Um, you know, Doctor J, he, he's getting up there in age, so um, you know, I think that uh, I don't know what exactly happened, but 
you know um you know it is it was really tough to to see that um i saw i got the update and i was like dr j hospitalized and i was like oh my gosh like what's gonna happen to dr j i mean he's one of the greatest players uh in sixers history so um but yeah i don't know uh he's good i guess uh but I mean, other than that, we don't really have a whole lot of information to uh, talk about about that one because there just wasn't anything that was released. Now, another thing I wanted to ask you about, I came across doing some research for this podcast that Joel Embiid will lose $32 million in potential um, contract increase if he doesn't make first team All-NBA but it would save Philadelphia $5 million in cap space. How do you feel yeah. about that? Yeah, well, I think if that $32 million, if you if he did make the first team all NBA, he I think that would I think his contract would turn from a max to a super max. I think that's that's what it is. Um and what didn't wasn't that Gordon Hayward's thing last year? Like he didn't make an all NBA team and he lost a lot of money with Utah. Like he would have or he would have been more expensive for the Celtics to sign if he would have made that NBA team. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I, I think for the Sixers' sake, uh, it would save them five million in cap. Uh, I don't think Embiid's going to make first team All NBA. Um, yeah, I think there's you know there's other centers. I think there's a, you know there's other players out there that are going to be considered for that over him. Um, I mean, it all depends on how the season shakes out. But um, you know, I think at the end of the day, it'll save. The, the, the Sixers money and that's always good. You always want to save money when it comes to players. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think Embiid's, I don't think we're going to have to worry about that because I, I think that he's not going to end up making um, the first team. I mean, I'm all for it as a Sixers fan. I'd like to see it happen, but I, uh, with other players and the fact that he doesn't play back-to-back games and he's still periodically injured, I just don't see it happening this season. Plus, that five million dollars is, you know, enough where you could at least. At the, I'm not sure what the, what else you're going to have in cap space, but at least with that, you'd be able to get in a, a functioning center to help. Yeah. The slack. yeah, they definitely have. I mean, they have enough cap space to make to get a star in there or uh, to get another big player in a free agency. They they definitely have the money. Um, you know, I think with the Covington deal. Uh, they, I think they, st- I think they still have like twenty million, I think, in cap space or something like that, um, which is pretty good. Uh, and with JJ, with a uh, Amir Johnson probably not coming back next year, you're gonna have that money freed up. And then you're, I think, also with uh, you know JJ Redick, I, I have a feeling they're gonna sign him next year. But I, I'm almost kind of I mean, this is just speculation, but I, I, I think that. You know, I think they might end up maybe signing him for a lesser contract than one year, twenty-three million. Like I could see them him coming down for for a lot. I think they could sign him for a lot less, just so that he could play for a team that he wants to play for and not really care as much about the money. I think that's why they overloaded the first year of the contract so he could come back for a longer deal for less money and not be too upset. But, about yeah, it. yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Let's jump into the games uh, for the last week for both of our teams. I won't, I won't belabor either team too, too much just because I know for our respective fan bases are not going to be incredibly excited to hear about the games of another team too much. But this week uh, past, Boston had games with Cleveland, Minnesota, and Brooklyn. Now, you said you caught the Brooklyn game. Um, anything stick out in your head uh, that we should be 
bringing up of note? Um, I'm trying to think. I, I I thought that you know this is a very typical Boston game where they're playing up. It, it was a defensive battle. And we've seen a couple times this year where Boston's only put up you know eighty some some odd points and still won the game. I think they they did that against uh, Golden State earlier on in the year. I remember uh, listening to the game and where they don't really score a lot of points, but they end up pulling out the victory anyway. Um, I, I think that Kyrie Irving had a great game. Um, um, you know, Jason Tatum, you you put in the notes uh, with a bunch of exclamation marks because uh, six blocks that was so is pretty crazy. Uh, pretty, was pretty so damn good. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, that was. That I was, mean, that's pretty amazing. I thought I misread that when I first saw it. To be perfectly honest, I mean, six blocks. Who gets six blocks? Never mind at the small forward position. Oh yeah, there's uh, not that many uh, guys that will do the uh, the six block honor there. But yeah, he did it. Um, and Kyrie looked good. Um, but I think you know the the Nets playing at home. They they had a lot of momentum. Spencer Dinwiddie played really well, and he's been kind of one of those guys that you never really expected to be a leader for this team. And he's really taken that. Uh, he's I think he's developed into almost a fan favorite in Brooklyn. Um, so I, I think that he played well. Um, but I, I think that you know they the Celtics very much could have lost that game. Um, it came down to the very very end. Um, the Hollis, I think it was the Nets. They had a chance to tie it. Uh, they had the ball with like you know, five seconds left or whatever. They had the chance to tie it, and they lo- they missed like three shots, five shots or something, five yeah, shots I mean, in a like, row, and it was like all offensive rebounds. And I think Rondé Hollis Jefferson couldn't get it in the basket. They couldn't get it in from other guys. Uh, it was it was terrible, um, and they very the game should have went to overtime, but it didn't. Uh, and Boston barely got out of that one. So, uh, but it was a good game. I, I think Boston played well, um, but I also they definitely could have played better because Brooklyn um, almost beat them. I mean, just quite frankly, right there, they almost beat them. Yeah, it was actually pretty similar to the game before to the Minnesota game. It was, you know, really, apart from the Cleveland game, almost all the games that, that Boston's played re- recently have been very poor rebounding and very poor shooting. And this game, they actually somehow won the rebounding battle despite uh, Carl Anthony Towns having 23 boards, I think. Yeah, 23 yeah. boards, and, and it was it was – a very, very bad offensive performance. Uh, I think Boston shot 17% from three, which is, to my memory, the worst shooting three-point night I may can have ever remembered. Like, ever. It was just... But Minnesota didn't shoot mm-hmm. much better. I think they were like 30, 30% from three. Both teams right. shot 40% or less. Um, but the Cleveland game, that was a lot of fun. I, I covered the recap for Celtics Life for that. And, you know, so far this year it has been my favorite recap. I mean, it wasn't a very exciting game for, I'm sure, neutral parties. I don't know if you caught any of that, but it was it was a lot of fun after having to dig down from from twenty something down. The last time we played them, when obviously Hayward went down with an ankle injury and basically took all the air out of the room. But there were a couple of scary moments in that. Also, there was another moment where I think it was Jay Crowder undercutting Jalen Brown, and like for just like a half second, my heart stopped. And then Aaron Baines and Kevin Love both rolled their ankles. And, I mean, it basically ruined Love for the night. He shot like 1 of 11 for the rest of the night. But you guys had some games going on that week also against the Spurs and against Detroit. And I think – let's talk about the Spurs game because that was a really big game for you guys. Yeah, it was a big game. Um, it really was. I mean, just the fact that the, we went into the game uh, not really knowing the status of some of our players. But then we found out that 
uh, Greg Popovich wasn't going to play four of their players. Um, <laughs> they lost. They didn't play Manu Ginobili. They didn't play Danny Green. They didn't play uh, Gay. They didn't play Tony Parker. And they didn't play Kawhi Leonard either. So it was like pretty much the whole team didn't play. They still had LaMarcus Aldridge. They still had Patty Mills. They still had Bryn Forbes and um, Anderson and Bertrands and those guys. But, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, not having those key players really helps the Sixers in a lot of ways. Uh, but also the Sixers, I mean, we didn't know the status of Joel Embiid because he was questionable for most of the day. He was doubtful. Like pretty, he was ruled out of the game with a sprained wrist from um, or a, 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 it was his hand uh, sprained hand from earlier on. Um, uh, I, I think it was like, sprained your hand. I think he did something with maybe he blocked the shot. I, I didn't watch the game against. I think it was uh, New Year's Eve. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I wasn't watching the game on New Year's Eve. Let's be honest. Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, with the with the hand injury, he was ruled out of the game against the Spurs and then he ended up playing. And it was weird because they, they like like five minutes before tip off. They're like, all right, Embiid looked good in warmups. He's playing. And we were like, but he was ruled out like that never happens. With, especially with Embiid. I think Embiid just went to the, the team and uh, he said, you know, it's a hand injury. It's not like it's my knee or my back. It's not like I, it's not a, you know, a terrible injury. It's not like it's broken. If it was broken, then he's not playing. But if, if it just like hurt him a little bit, I think they kind of pressed on it and got the, got the kinks out of his hand a little bit. Um, but during the game, it started to swell a lot. Uh, and it, for, uh, someone said it was, a, it was very kind of graphic, but somebody said that his hand looked like a like a one of those gloves that you blow up, like one of those like rubber gloves. Oh, you like blow it up, and it's like that big balloon. Yeah, that's kind of like what his hand looked like during the game. Um, but he ended up having four blocks, uh, twenty one points, and eleven rebounds. One of those games where it was like, oh, Embiid uh, had one of those normal games, um, and, and you know Simmons played really well. Uh, it was just a great team win. And uh, they ended up getting the getting the the victory, and this was also uh, Brett Brown's first win over his ex uh, head coach, who uh, he was the assistant under in San Antonio. So it was his first win over Greg Popovich in his career. So uh, pretty good. You guys also had a win over Detroit, and it'd be another pretty good game. Yeah, uh, I almost don't want to even call it a win. I want to call it a I call it a massacre. Because that's what uh, that's what it was. Uh, they were down by like almost thirty points at one point, right in the first half. And the Pistons, yeah, they were down by about thirty. Uh, yeah, thirty. I think it was exactly thirty. Um, and it was actually, I don't know if you saw this. Did you see uh, the Andre Drummond? He made free throws, and they're they, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They were down by thirty points. Uh, the crowd was booing him like crazy. I wish I was there because I totally could see that the Wells Fargo Center. Completely booing Drummond just because, you know, Drummond and Embiid have had this, Thing. you know, fight all year yeah. about, you know, who's the better center. Like, you know, Embiid doesn't play. Like, how could you, you know, say that someone's better if he doesn't play a back to back games? I play back to back games. Like, it's been this long season thing. Uh, and Drummond made the two th- uh, free throws. He put his finger to his lips and sit and like shush the crowd. And we're like, Man, what are you doing? You gotta be willing they can't to do, do that. that. <laughs> yeah, or close yeah, to it. I, I think the announce. I, I think the announcers on uh, on on TV were like, "You can't, you can't do that. Like, you can't shush the crowd down thirty points. Like, that just doesn't work." 
but I mean, it was a great game. Uh, Simmons has played very well in his last four games. He just he's just being more aggressive. He's taking the shots that he needs to take. I think he's shooting. I saw his field goal percentage in the last five games. He's shooting fifty percent from the field. And against Detroit, he was nine of thirteen from the field, sixty nine point two percent. And he had nine assists and four rebounds, two blocks and two steals. And Simmons has just been the guy for the Sixers. Him and then Dario Saric as well has been really contributing a lot. Um, they look, they both look good. Um, but you know that win against Detroit really signaled to me that the best is yet to come for the Sixers. I think that that this is the turning point. They play well in January. They have won five of their last six games now. Um, and now with the layoff, they don't play until London on Thursday against Boston. And then after that, they have a couple games. Uh, uh, the, the, I think they play Toronto on Monday in Toronto. But then after that, they don't play for another week. five or six games. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I think that's going to help them out. They're going to be able to rest a little bit. And, uh, you know, I think this is going to be a good month for the Sixers after those two big wins to uh, open up January. I feel like we both really turned a corner after a really brutal December in the last week or so, and the record is bearing that out. You mentioned the, the UK game. So we don't have any... It's crazy. Neither of us... I know, it seemed like it was going to be like months away. Here it is, basically. Yeah, it's... It's, it's, I remember writing one of those press release updates last uh, summer that they were playing in London, and I was like, oh, January, that's that's a lifetime away, <laughs> and we're only, you know, what, you know, four, five days away from that now? It's uh, This season has really gone fast. I mean, we're going to, we're almost at the All Star break. That's how close we are. So we're about a month away from the All Star break, which is unbelievable. But by the time we're, they're done playing, there'll only be like, what, another two weeks to the All Star break after that. Yeah, exactly. So we're we're really we're really getting close to that one. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm excited for the London game. It's going to be interesting for sure. Now, both teams have a fairly significant European contingent in terms of either players or um, people who were born there. Boston, um, Daniel Tice is from Germany, and we also have Aaron Baines, um, Shane Larkin, and Gershon Yabusele who have all played over there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you guys have. Sarich and Korkmaz, if Turkey counts, which I think it does, because I mean, it was a candidate for the European Union, and part of it is in Europe, so I'm counting it. So that's another that's another trivia question, right? That's a we're providing trivia answers for people. With the, the little, little history lesson. And you guys also have um, Timothy Luau Cabarro, who played over there, but isn't from there. Where is he from? Do you remember? He's from he's from France. Oh, so he's from there. He is okay. From, okay, gotcha. Yep. Yep. So he's from he's from France, uh, and then he played in. Uh, or I think he played in Turkey. I think that's where he. I think he played in Turkey. I, I'm pretty. Or uh, where is he? Where did he play? I forget. He played. Uh, I think it was Turkey. Was it Croatia? Also, I think it might have been Croatia. Maybe it was Croatia. I don't really. I I just cover the Sixers. I don't I don't cover the uh, the European basketball stuff over there. That's just that's just too much. I, I I've tried I've tried to look up some of those European. Eurobasket uh, stats and stuff, and they make it so hard to find stats from overseas. I, I, I like the NBA. The NBA is, uh, you know, it's 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 easy to follow. You're able to find stats without having to log in. Like it's look up a dictionary nice. of yeah. what, what <laughs> exactly. that stat is and how it's properly yeah. used. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the, I I actually I, I just wanted to bring up Daniel Tice. 
he's looking pretty good with the the mask that he's been wearing, right? He's been wearing that mask. Oh, very Phantom of the Opera. I like it. Yeah, it's very Phantom of the Opera. You know, we're both working our way back into shape. Um, so you think Embiid's back issues are basically okay, and we don't really know what's going on with Markel Fultz. Korkmaz and uh, Justin Anderson are two of your guys who have been dealing with some other injuries. I think um, something to do with Korkmaz's foot, some kind of weird. Yeah. What's going yeah, on with that thing? Yeah, Korkmaz has this. Uh, it's a Liss Frank injury. It's in his foot. I think it's a. It's. I think it's a broken bone in his foot. Um. So. So his. So his. His foot is covered in rainbow-colored unicorns and. <laughs> oh wait. But yes. Not a, a Liz Frank. Not a Lisa Frank. I'm so sorry. Oh. Oh. Here you go. Yeah. Yep. A Liz. A Liz so Frank. Sorry. Whatever that is. I don't even know what that is. But uh. It's. I think it's a bone near your like toes. Like it's one of those bones that connects your your um whatever. I I don't know uh, anatomy very well. Yeah, metatarsal. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Corkmouse, he's out indefinitely. Um, he's not. I I actually think he's. They they've even been saying. I think Derek Bodner of the Athletics said that um he wouldn't be surprised if Corkmouse is out for the rest of the year. Um, which wouldn't surprise me. He hasn't really been playing that much with the Sixers. He's been playing more with Delaware, uh, but they have. He's been playing like he's been with the team for every home game this season. Uh, where when he was healthy, uh, but he's out indefinitely and probably for the rest of the year to rehab that foot injury. And then Anderson with his shin splints, he was supposed to be cleared like a week and a half ago, and then he Brown the other day. Um, you know, uh, Jess Camerato of NBC Sports Philadelphia, she uh, talked to Anderson. Anderson said that he expected to play against the Pistons. And then right before the game uh, at a press conference with uh, Brett Brown, he said Brown said that he wasn't uh, he didn't think he was going to have him in the lineup and then he didn't play. So we haven't seen Anderson for since October or uh, November um, against the, the Lakers was the last uh, November 15th. It's been a while. Um, with the shin splint injury. So uh, he's he might play on Thursday, but with the way that it's been going as of the last couple of weeks, I, I I don't even, I think he's he's not doubtful, but I think he's questionable for sure. Okay. But, but for, with Embiid, uh, I said that his back is, issues, like I, I don't really see that being a thing. Uh, he's definitely going to play Thursday just because it's that layoff. And uh, this is the kind of game, you know, he has all the rest in the world now. He's you know, got pretty much a week off. So he's going to play. And then with Markel Fultz, um, Jesse, I mean, we were talking about this, but like, I mean, this is not even, no one's even talking about this, but we were like, wouldn't it be something if they picked the the London game to be the game that Markel Fultz gets a couple minutes in? Like if this was the first game that he makes an appearance in, like that would be something else. Like this, this, that sounds like something that they would do. Uh, but um, you know, he hasn't even played like five on five practice yet. So I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I, I would yeah, like to for see sure. him. I would like to see him, but not if it's going to end up embarrassing him. You know, I mean, similar to Isaiah Thomas playing the back to back with in Boston. Oh, right. You don't want to well, do Isaiah, I, I think the team actually, I, I'm pretty sure the Cavs would have played um, Isaiah Thomas, but I think Isaiah Thomas actually said that he didn't want to play. I, I saw that he said, he said, I, I don't want to play against Boston. Like in Boston to make my return, if I'm not going to play a full game, like I don't want to like be on a minutes restriction and have to play in front of my old fans. You know, you know, I want a, your full, all, full abilities here. Yeah, right. Like he, he wants to be all or nothing, pretty much. Um, and I, I agree with that. Um, but 
but yeah, for sure. I don't think Fultz, I, I think that it wouldn't be the right move to put him in right away because he's not going to make that much of an impact now. And I think that's why the team is is holding off for so long. They want to make sure that if Fultz does come back, that it's going to be for the right reasons and, and, and be in the right situation. And if it's any kind of a mental thing, you know, throwing him into a fire is not the way to build confidence. Oh, definitely not. I mean, uh, they and they did that at the beginning of the season, too, where, you know, coming from training camp and preseason, like that's where the shoulder injury started. And he tried. And they played, he, tried, he tried and they and they played him in those first couple of games, but he didn't look good at all. Um, they threw him into the fire because they didn't want him to be the the next first round pick to miss an entire seat the, the the opening night of a season he wanted them to play uh but i mean look how it turned out he's pretty much missed the entire his entire rookies like half the, his rookie season already which i mean that's where Orleans noel was that's where you know joel Embiid was that's where ben simmons was and now we got markel Fultz. we're cursed justin we're cursed uh hopefully our 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 uh top one of our top draft picks in, in uh, the uh, spring or in the summer uh, turn out to be uh, healthy and not injured. Because I, at this point, I just feel like it's a stipulation that in order for you to be a sixer, you have to be hurt. Like that's like you sign a contract, by the way, your, your injury might not be legitimate, but, uh, but you're well, on the contract. Anyway. Yeah. You're, you're, you're hurt. You're hurt. And uh, yeah, that's, I've heard that one. And uh, I, I wouldn't say it's true, but uh I don't know. We'll see. Well, with Marcus Morris still rehabbing his knee, it looks like it's most way back, but it did before. So he's the only player besides obviously Gordon Hayward who looks to be out so far. Knock on wood. You know, anything can happen in the meantime. It looks like we're going to be mostly healthy playing each other. So, you know, apart from, from those guys, well, give me a prediction. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm not really sure about this one. I, I want to be optimistic and say that the Sixers with, you know, kind of the 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 hot streak that they've been going on. Um, they might have a chance to win this one. I think it's going to be close, but I do think that you know, after thinking about it, uh, I do want to be realistic. But I do think that the Celtics win this game. But I, especially because they have won six in a row and seven of the last ten, and the Sixers have won five of their last six. So it's going to be close. Um, but I also I think it's going to be a lot closer than the Celtics games from before. Um, where I think the last time we did the podcast together uh, was right before that game. And I think it was not, maybe, I don't know if it was a blowout, but it wasn't a close game at all. It was closer um, than it looked, but then it was, it was a double digit. I think it was like a 12 point lead or 13 point lead or something like that. Yeah, it was something like that. So I, I think it's going to be closer than that because Embiid's going to play and it's going to be pretty much health back with, you know, Simmons and Sar- Sarge playing back in Europe. Um, you know, so. You know, I think it's going to be good. I think I, I don't know what your feeling is on the NBA in London. I, I like it because I think it kind of brings that whole, you know, it brings the NBA on an international stage because, I mean, I I don't know if you agree with me on this one, but I think the NBA is one of the most global games uh, or sports that we have where it's, you know, the whole world loves basketball for the most part. Like it's there's there's basketball in almost every country. And they all look at the NBA kind of like in a baseball kind of way, where the NBA is the flagship flagship league, and uh, you know, you know, everyone around the world loves it. And having it on the London stage is such a big deal for the NBA. Absolutely, I, I very much agree with that. And I think you know there is a careful balancing act, and I think the league has done a very good job recently 
of balancing the sport and not just the NBA, but the sports growing global popularity. I think at this point, it's probably second to only soccer in worldwide popularity. And there's the risk of having competing leagues stealing away talent eventually should they become more established in their home countries. So you have to, mm-hmm. you have to balance, you know, expanding the sport with expanding the league. And I think they've done a really good job with that. I think London is an excellent strategic choice. It is easily, as far as I'm aware, I'm, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it is easily the largest city in Europe uh, at 8 million or so people. My, my, my guesstimates are not necessarily, you know, don't, don't use my information on any tests. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is not trivia. <laughs> this is off the top of my head. Um, but they're, if not the largest, one of the largest cities in Europe. And as a result, you know, it makes a lot of sense to try to, you know, get more interest in, you know, the strongest teams in Europe are in France and in Spain and Germany and Turkey. And, you know, Europe does have its own pro basketball, but it's not known for being one of the stronger areas of Europe in terms of play. Um, So to drum up potential interest, who knows where it could go. You know, we might see kind of like, FIBA kind of stuff, uh, morphing more into FIFA kind of stuff in terms of having multiple yeah. leagues competing for local championships and then a national or excuse me international championship. That could be something that they're thinking of. I'm really hoping they expand overseas, particularly Mexico City. If you're listening, Adam Silver, uh, I mean, that's where I'm at, and I would really like to see more than two NBA games a year if we even have them in Mexico City. Um, recently, we had to we had to uh, cancel a game with the Spurs. I think it was the season before this one because of a, a technical malfunction. So, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm definitely on board with you there. I would definitely like to see um, a lot more stuff like this. Like I think they should just get rid of the preseason altogether and play games, play exhibition games overseas, and just do it that way. That's a good idea. That's a fantastic idea. That I hope maybe hopefully Adam Silver listens to this. He might. It wasn't my idea. Who I don't knows? remember who, who came up with that idea. I think it was one of our readers at Celtics Life. So I, I robbed your idea. I'm really sorry. I would give you credit. If you listen to this and and um, uh, you you call me out, I will be sure to to rep you on Twitter and the next podcast. Apologies. I definitely was not my idea, but it, it's a great idea. I agree. It's a great one. Really do. Well, my prediction for this is going to be pretty similar to last time. I'm, I'm going to put it at a two-possession win for the Celtics. I won't give it exactly a number, but it's going to be by two buckets. I don't know what they're going to, what shape they're going to take. And if the Celtics play down at all, you guys could easily snatch a win. I would not be at all surprised. So that's a very weak, lame, uninteresting prediction, but that's that's really how I feel about it. I think it's going to be because of the international, the time change, the break, the win streaks that both teams are on, I think it's very hard to predict. Even even though, you know, Philly has not had the, the the surge in record I was thinking they might this season, they're still a very solid team. And with the rest that both teams are, are having, I just really can't, you know, give either team a strong nod mm-hmm. to, to a win or a loss. Right. Well, you have anything you're working on right now you want to let our listeners or your listeners know that uh, is in the pipeline? Yeah, I mean, there's a few things that we're doing right now um, just because of the break with uh, the uh, London game on Thursday. Uh, uh, Jesse Larch, one of our Sports Talk Philly columnists, uh, put out an article today um, about uh, Dario Saric um, and how he's a part of the core, a big part of the core 
just because of his big month of December. Um, he has another article coming out about Trevor Booker. Um, I'm going to do something about the Sixers in January uh, and how well they've their success in this month and how uh, the best is yet to come for them. Uh, so that's going to come up. Uh, and then we we usually do a podcast, a uh, pick swap pod about once a week. And we did one last week. Um, so definitely, uh, or actually, I think it was Thursday. So it's still pretty new. So check that one out. Um, but yeah, for sure. So you're going to go on, uh, if you want to check out all that stuff, uh, sportstalkphilly.com um, and then uh, Sixerdelphia as well. Um, we're on Twitter at sports talk PHL and at Sixerdelphia on Twitter. Um, and then for the podcast, we're on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google play. So just type in sports talk Philly, look up the pick swap pod and we're on there as well. Um, and then for me, I'll just plug myself really quick. Uh, Josh Liddick. I write for sports talk Philly. I'm the uh, managing editor for Sixerdelphia. Um, and, uh, I'm on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Josh Liddick talk, uh, J O S H L I D D I C K talk. Um, so that's where you can find me. Wicked cool. You can find us also, um, on blog talk radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and most podcatcher apps. Uh, you can subscribe if you would love to hear our sonorous voices delivering the latest and cutting edge Celtics news. I am totally talking out my neck right now, but I'm going to pretend that I'm not. If you like what you hear, please rate us five stars. If you don't like something, have a suggestion or just want to, you know, talk basketball, let us know with a comment in any Celtics life article on Twitter with a hashtag CLPOD. Uh, you can find some pretty amazing stuff on the CelticsLife.com website. We have shirts and hoodies no one else has. Obviously, Celtics themed, but also other New England sports are available through our, our sister websites. Uh, you can even get tickets uh, to the next Celtics game under the heading Tickets. It's confusing, I know, but I keep telling people just look under Tickets. There it is. Um, we're always trying to bring you the Celtics coverage that you want, the way that you like it. That's all that I've got until after the game in London. So, yeah, looking forward to it, man. Thanks for uh, coming on again. Awesome. It was fun again. Yeah, it was It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on, Justin. And uh, for all the Sixers fans that probably aren't going to be listening to your podcast because it's a Celtics fan podcast, uh, go Sixers. <laughs> hey, got to get in. Take care, man. You too. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.